Hello again, friends. Thank you for joining me on Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here today to share wisdom and lessons learned from nature and from moving through uncharted territory, both literal and figurative. I am thrilled you're here with me today. I hope you get something out of this. Let's get started with another wonderful episode. All right, we got a fun episode for you today, friends. I am excited to be talking to Jillian Keenan. Jillian is an author and writer currently living in Mexico City, Mexico. And in 2020, she threw hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, which is about 2,650 miles running from Mexico to the border with Canada throughout America. So without further ado, why don't we meet Jillian, hear about her adventure in this year of crazy circumstances. Hello again, friends. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm really excited that we have my friend Jillian here with us today from Mexico. Hello, Jillian. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about the trail. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for being here and uh, dealing with these technical issues. <laughs> well, it's pretty amazing that we're able to have this conversation from other sides of the planet. Yes, I'm very excited that we can be here virtually. Yeah. Betting away. Awesome. Um, Jillian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we talk about your cool experience? Yeah, my name is Jillian. I'm a journalist and an author. And in 2020, I through hiked the Pacific Crest Trail. And that's how we met. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, uh, interesting circumstances on my trail run that day. And yeah. <laughs> 2020, the year of worldwide chaos, you through hiked the PCT. Yes, I did. Yes. Well, the very beginning was way back in college. I went to college in Northern California. Uh, and of course, the PCT goes through California. So that's how I first heard of the trail. And it just immediately captured my imagination. I went through a phase in college where I was absolutely obsessed um, to the point where I sat down one day um, and made a Google map where I followed along the course of the trail and, and marked every resupply point um, on the entire PCT um, just to give myself a better idea of what doing such a long trail was actually like. This would have been back in 2008 or so. Uh, so it wasn't quite the same as it is today. Uh, today, it's very easy to learn about the trail by watching videos on YouTube. Uh, there's just so much information online. But back when I first became obsessed with the trail, there wasn't quite as much information available. There certainly weren't through hiking vloggers and things like that. Um, so I made this insanely detailed Google map um, of all the resupply points on the trail because that just made it feel kind of more achievable to me. Um, but then shortly after I finished college, I finished grad school, and you know how life goes. I got focused on work. I got focused on building a career. And that dream kind of went into a coma for, you know, like seven or eight years. Uh, and I almost forgot about it. Certainly, I was not obsessed the way I had been back at the beginning. Um, but then a couple of years ago, I was living in Senegal, and somehow the obsession came back only this time it was enabled by the internet and so i could watch videos on youtube and uh you know it just became all consuming um and a couple of years later i actually did it 
actually did it. Wow. <laughs> um, as a side note, living in Senegal, was there something that triggered your memory to, I should hike the PCT? Like, those are two quite different places. To- you know, honestly, I, as I recall, I was in Senegal and I was kind of um, doing that thing that we all do sometimes where I was just sort of surfing around on the internet, clicking from link to link to link to link. And somehow I ended up on the website for a educational program in, I believe, Utah, where they take students out into the wilderness for a couple of weeks. Uh, They're not allowed to have even a a tent or a sleeping bag. They just put you out in the wilderness with nothing uh, and teach you how to survive, I guess. It sounded incredibly (laughs) hardcore, incredibly brutal. Um, And, but I mean, I, I was intrigued. And then after looking on this website for a couple of hours, I sort of remembered, wait, if I'm going to, like, if I'm thinking about suffering in Utah for two weeks without a tent or without a sleeping bag, like, why don't I just go back to what I originally wanted to do, which was the PCT? Uh, And that's kind of how the dream came back. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's awesome. And I am about 90% sure that I know exactly what program you're talking about in Utah, because that's what I did. Oh, you did it. I would love to hear what that was like, because honestly, when I looked at that website and then switched from that idea to the PCT, I couldn't decide if the PCT was a bigger challenge than that program or a much smaller challenge than that program, because at least I got to have a tent. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I would be happy to share that experience. <laughs> and I can put you in contact with some interesting people as well. Um, we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. So, yeah, you found this. You found the PCT. You're in Senegal, and a little bit of time passes by, and you decide to do it. Yes. And it's the best decision, and <laughs> kind of the best and worst decision um, that I've ever made, because through hiking the PCT was definitely the best thing I've ever done. It definitely was the most challenging thing I've ever done. Um, and I keep joking with friends that through hiking definitely ruined my life because it turns out if you have a dream uh, and an obsession that doing the dream, in my case at least, does not make the itch go away. Now I'm obsessing about the CDT or the Arctic Circle Trail or other through hikes. Um, so apparently scratching the itch does not, uh, does not cure it. <laughs> wow. Okay. And those are all fantastic ideas for the future too. I'm excited to see where you go next. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Wow. Um, awesome. Thank you. What were some of the challenges that you faced in like once you decided in getting out onto the trail what was that experience like figuring it out um were you on your own were you with a partner yeah just walk us through that experience yeah i I hiked the pct with my boyfriend his name is dan um and i think that my experience this year our experience the experience he and i had was obviously different um obviously one of a kind And definitely controversial. And I absolutely um, have listened to and heard um, a variety of perspectives about why through hiking in 2020 was so controversial. Um, And I respect all of those different perspectives. Mm -hmm. Um, So we started around a pretty standard time to start a northbound through hike, which was in mid-March. 
Um, and as everyone will recall, mid-March was right around the time that uh, the novel coronavirus was starting to, it was starting to become apparent that um, this was a, a real serious crisis that was going to affect everyone in the world. Um, so actually the day that Dan and I um, started our through hike was the first day of the California lockdown. So it was, you know, there was a lot that was unknown. Um, there was a lot of controversy and confusion. Um, obviously, there were a lot of people saying, go home, hikers should go home. Um, and, and we heard those perspectives. Uh, something that I think was left out of the conversation is that for a lot of us, going home was just not an option. Um, before I started the hike uh, in the in the months, you know, as, as we planned, um, I had been living in Nairobi at that point. I had moved from Senegal to Kenya and I was living in Nairobi. And in the months before um, we started the hike in preparation for it, I got rid of my apartment. I sold all of my stuff. Um, the same is true of my partner, Dan. Um, we had been he had been living in England at the time. So he got rid of his apartment. He sold all of his stuff. Um, so when we made it to California uh, before the lockdown began, um, we truly only had our hiking gear. We just had the clothes on our bodies uh, and the gear in our packs. Um, and so absolutely, during the beginning of the hike, that was, without question, the biggest challenge. We asked ourselves if we should be out there. Um, we, you know, kind of frenetically looked for other options. Um, we, you know, tried to see if there was if there was a way to get off the trail. Um, but the reality is there weren't really any options. Uh, Dan has friends and family in the United Kingdom. But at that point, flying from the United States to Europe was not only irresponsible, it was not possible. Um, I did not have any family I could stay with in the United States. And as for my friends, um, I'm a woman in my mid-30s. All of my friends are having babies. <laughs> and the last thing any new parent wants during a you know, global pandemic, um, especially when they have a baby at home, is some dirty hikers crashing in their guest room for you know who knows how long um so you know we, we kept hiking at first uh in in part because we really didn't have any other options um but my opinion and i i do respect the perspectives of people who disagree with me uh, on this my opinion as we continued the hike and as we sort of figured out what through hiking during a pandemic even looks like my perspective became that it is possible to do so and was possible to do so uh, ethically and responsibly. And I believe that we did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure you, I'm sure you heard quite a lot from both sides. <laughs> we did hear quite a lot. Yes. Yeah. Um, on that note, like, what was your experience in some of the small towns? Now, I guess for people that don't know, the PCT goes through a lot of smaller towns in California, Oregon, and Washington, a lot of them are quite tourism dependent and travel dependent places. So yeah, what was your experience getting in? Cause I, again, heard the stories of people running hikers out of town, people not hitchhiking, but you made it. You know, the truth is I did not hear any stories about towns running hikers out. Um, I, although I'm sure it happened. Um, my personal experience was that in all of the towns we went to, everyone we met were not only friendly and hospitable, in many cases they were 
excited to see us. Um, one business owner of a small hiking store in California, uh, in one of the trail towns, um, the, the owner cried and said, this is our livelihood. Thank you for coming. If, if no hikers were to come, uh, I'd be going out of business this year. Um, and I, I, I am, of course, not saying that um, the, the sort of economic needs of these small trail towns are more important than the health of the residents. Um, that is absolutely not true. The, the health is what is most important. Um, but as, as far as I know, uh, I don't believe that any outbreaks were caused by through hikers. The reality is we, we were doing, I think, an extremely good quarantine. We would be alone in the woods for a week, and then we would uh, get to a trail town and, and do a grocery run while wearing masks and then get back out there on the trail. Um, I don't think anyone went through the first months of the pandemic without going to a grocery store you know, once in a while. Um, and, and we were no different. Yeah. Yeah. And by being outside in nature the whole time, walking and camping and doing all that, you're building your immune system to be as healthy as it possibly could with the natural compounds. So, Well, I don't, I wasn't so concerned about my own health. Um, I was concerned that I might endanger people in some of these towns. Um, but as I said, we, when we had to go into towns to resupply, we wore masks. Um, we got things delivered whenever possible um, for you know, the first several months, I remember we would just go into a hotel uh, in town and when possible get um, like resupplies delivered to the hotel, left outside our door. We could pay through distance apps, things like Venmo that made it possible for mm -hmm. us to purchase resupplies uh, and get them delivered without ever having to come into face-to-face -face contact with another person. Um, so Dan and I used to joke that Guy Fieri was through hiking yeah. with us. <laughs> Because especially in the early months, we spent so much time just sitting in hotel rooms because we didn't want to go out um, that we would just watch Guy Fieri on Food Network. Because, as you know, hungry hikers get obsessed to watch Food Network. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we just, we, you know, when we were in towns, we, we stayed inside and we tried uh, to be as responsible as possible. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. Um, what were, again, like, you know, some people or the challenges that you went through while you were on the trail, um, out actually on the trail. So I think every through hiker um, has different individual challenges and different sources of vulnerability. Uh, for me, it's anything cold and wet. I was born and raised in Arizona. Um, hot weather I can handle, but <laughs> as soon as it drops below, let's say 80 degrees, um, I am freezing. Um, and this year was, um, so the snowpack in the Sierra Nevada mountains was just average this year. In fact, I think slightly below average, um, but snow in the desert portion of the trail in Southern California was staggering. There was just so much snow. It was relentless. Day after day, we were post-holing down to our you know, knees and hips in just inches and inches of snow. Um, uh, later on in Northern California, we had a we got caught on top of a ridge in a crazy hailstorm. Um, there was so much hail and, and water that at one point I looked down at the trail. And it looked, the trail looked like a river, except the river was white because there was so much hail um, coating the surface of the water that it was just ice. 
uh, running along the trail. Um, so my big challenge was cold and wet. Um, I think the biggest challenge for my partner, Dan, was hiker hunger. <laughs> he yeah. got um, just voracious hiker hunger. I remember uh, in one of the towns, we got a pizza delivered, like a like an extra large pizza just for him. He ate all of it by himself and then immediately started digging into his uh, stash of snacks. I think that night he had an extra large pizza, three bags of potato chips, uh, two bags of M&Ms, four candy bars, I could go on. I don't think that was all he ate that night. Um, so I think the challenge for him was hunger. Yeah, and Dan's not a particularly large individual. No, he's a small guy, but he can, <laughs> when he's on trail, he can pack it away. You would be shocked. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is awesome. I um, I very much feel you on the cold and wet. Uh, it is 37 degrees here right now. Um, it's raining. It's kind of snow misting. Uh, it's great. I really wish I were in a nice warm desert right now. <laughs> But don't Canadians have, like, a special superpowers for cold weather? Uh, yeah, I, I wear shorts year-round, so you could call that a superpower. Yeah, I will call that a superpower, because as soon as it's, like, 75 degrees, I've got, like, ski coats on. and. Wow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... What what are some of the? Uh, thank you for sharing that. What are some of the the highlights of the trip for you? Oh, so many. Um, one that immediately comes to mind is in Lassen Volcanic National Park in Northern California. We stopped for uh, lunch by a lake, and we went swimming in the lake. It was just one of those idyllic outdoor days um, that I'm sure we've all had. Mm-hmm. And after we fit as we finished swimming. We noticed that on the far side of the lake, there was a bear. We could barely see it. It was very small in the distance. Um, So we got excited and we said, okay, let's pack up our stuff and see if we can kind of hike around the lake and get a little bit closer to the bear. Um, And apparently the bear had the same idea because as we were just finishing up, packing up all of our stuff, we heard this giant rustling in the trees behind us. Um, I should be clear, I am talking about a black bear right now, uh, not not a grizzly bear. Um, So we heard this um, very loud rustling in the trees and we turned around and behind us, maybe 10 feet away, so close, uh, it felt like we could reach out and touch him. Uh, That bear came out of the the forest to take a look at us. Um, And he just sat there looking at us for a while. We sat there looking at him. We named him Rodney. Um, And then after a couple of minutes, he just decided we were boring and turned around and left. Um, (laughs) So that was uh, not only a highlight of the trail, that was a highlight of of my whole life, I would say. Yeah, gosh, wow. Were there a lot of bears that you encountered this year? You know, Dan is really, he's a mammalian biologist, so he is obsessed with mammals. And I know that if he were sitting here, he would be shouting at me to um, for not knowing the exact number of bears that we saw. I think he, he could tell you how many snakes we saw, how many bears we saw. Like, he has a mental spreadsheet. Um, I know we saw two bears in Yosemite, but they were from, um, you know, a, a reasonable distance. Um, then we saw Rodney very close. We saw a few other bears from a distance. So I think all told we saw between five and 10 bears. Um, but, you know, Rodney was the only bear who was, you know, close enough to, to kiss. <laughs> and do you have like a specific highlight for each state maybe, or I've heard some varying things about 
the oh gosh the barrenness of southern oregon i think and different parts of that so were there were there ups and downs as you were going along the trail um you know yeah so i hit my personal low point uh in in southern oregon um you know oregon is a mixed bag i would say because it's it's in some ways it's great um it's relatively flat um, after doing a lot of, you know, climbing over the Sierra Nevada mountains and in um, Northern California, it's kind of refreshing to just sort of walk on an even grade for for a few days. Um, but I think for me, uh, I hit my mental low point in Southern Oregon for two reasons. First, it, it really is quite a green tunnel, as they call it. Um, just you're surrounded by trees and covered with a canopy of trees, uh, and which is beautiful at first. But after a couple of weeks of that, it starts to feel monotonous. Um, I think also psychologically, by the time you get to, by the time we got to um, Southern Oregon, we had been hiking for more than four months. Uh, And then when you look at a map and see how far away Canada still is, uh, at that point, it starts to get a little discouraging. But, you know, we just had to grit our teeth and, and keep walking. Yeah, dang. And how was the Washington section of the trail? Absolutely beautiful. Um, if I met someone who only could do one section of the trail, um, I would say to make it either the Sierra Nevada section in uh, California or the Washington section. It was stunning. Mm. Yeah, I've, I've heard great things about it. Uh, back in a pre-coronavirus era, I was hoping to go down and do um, learn some trail maintenance from the PCTA down at, uh, oh gosh, Stevens Pass or one of a couple of the major passes. They have some volunteer crews. It's like, oh, awesome way and didn't happen. But I did hear that that part of the, the trail was quite nicely maintained this year. So, yeah, we actually got to meet a couple of um, like PCTA volunteers doing trail maintenance while we were hiking and Obviously, every hiker is just so grateful to them because, you know, we'd be we'd be screwed without their help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you have any or as many instances of trail magic as you thought you might have? Or was that still going on? So I would say exactly the opposite. Um, when we started the hike and, um, you know, it, it was becoming clear to the world that the pandemic was you know, going to be a nightmare. Um, we just assumed there was going to be no trail magic whatsoever. Um, so every bit of trail magic we did get was, you know, such a joy and such a delight and such a surprise. So while I do think we had fewer instances of trail magic than people in average years, um, it didn't feel like we were getting less. It felt like we were getting more because every everything was such a surprise. Um, so I remember right before we reached Kennedy Meadows, which is um, like an iconic stop on the PCT. It's the end of the desert and the start of the Sierra Nevada section. So every through hiker, you know, dreams of making it to Kennedy Meadows. Um, A couple of nights before we got to Kennedy Meadows, we were were hiking. And in the distance, we saw like a, a camp set up. 
And I joked to Dan, I said, oh, do you think, you know, they, they've got a cold Coke for me? Um, because I don't drink soda in normal life, not because, not for any reason. It's just, you know, I'm the kind of person who will choose a cocktail over a soda or a glass of wine. Um, but on trail, it turned out that what I craved all the time was an ice cold Coke. I would, you know, hike and, and just complain about how I wished I could have a Coke. Um, so we saw a camp set up in, in the distance. And jokingly, I said to Dan, um, do you think they've got a cold Coke for me? And we laughed because we, you know, it was a joke. We knew that no one was going to ever give me a Coke. Like trail magic was not going to happen. Um, but it turned out it, it, it was trail magic. In fact, uh, a rather famous trail angel um, who goes by the name Kim's dad uh, and is known for doing uh, trail magic, you know, every year. Um, as we got closer to his camp setup, he just said, Hey, do you want a Coke? <laughs> and um, at first I thought he was just a nice guy who was out camping for the weekend and then, you know, saw some people and, and was being friendly. Um, but then, no, it turned out he was there intentionally to do trail magic. So he ended up giving us not only a Coke, but um, snacks. And he was so fun to talk to. And we had such a wonderful time that we ended up camping, you know, about 50 feet away from him. Uh, and in the morning, he made pancakes and shared them with us and uh, a couple of day hikers who were out. So that was a really special memory. Um, and then the second big trail magic we got was, uh, I think, the one that that sort of saved the trail for me in Oregon. Um, so the Pacific Northwest had been, you know, some kind of kind of an emotional roller coaster because, mm -hmm. as I said, I got discouraged in Southern Washington. I had, you know, good days and bad days, like everyone. And I remember one day I woke up and we were still, you know, hundreds of miles from Canada. And I thought, if I could just get trail magic today, that would give me the boost I need to finish this thing. Um, but of course, I knew that I was not going to get trail magic that day because no one was getting trail. It, was, it just wasn't going to happen. And then uh, around lunchtime, Dan and I sat down um, just to take a break. And a southbound hiker passed us uh, going the opposite direction. And she said, why are you stopping here? You know, there's like bagels and salmon and beers just like a mile away from you, right? And Dan and I were like, what? So we started running. We, we got yeah. up with our packs and just started running um, in the hope that this trail magic was still there. And it was. And uh, it was you know, exactly what I needed, exactly when I needed it. And I remember we were sitting there, um, some angels were passing around beers and I said to them, I know now I'm, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish the trail. Like you have given me this last boost that I needed. So. Wow. Yeah. They were trail, trail angels are amazing people. Yeah. No, that is beautiful. I just imagining what that must've been like for you at that point as well that one little outside influence and then hey like you can do it that's yeah huge. it definitely felt magical yeah gosh awesome um now you mentioned dan a lot what was it like completing such a monumental goal and going through the whole process with a partner you know dan and i laughed before during and after the hike because before the hike um, a lot of people would say things like well, if you can, you know, if you, if you don't kill each other on the trail or if you, if you still like each other after doing this trail, you must really like each other. Um, and we, we sort of didn't 
understand that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think the idea of through hiking with a partner is that strange. Um, I, it, I don't know. Like it must just be my relationship style. Um, I'm quite clingy in general. Um, and so on trail or off trail, the idea of having my partner around all the time doesn't bother me. I guess I just don't need a lot of personal space. Mm. Um, so I wasn't, you know, particularly concerned about that. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Dan and I had some epic fights on trail. Um, mm. I remember, you know, particularly in, so in uh, the Sierra Nevada section, was a very challenging section of trail. It is for everyone because you're going over very high mountain passes and there's a lot of snow. It's, it's a challenging section no matter what. Um, but this year it was particularly challenging because there were some resupply stops that had shut down. There were some towns that had asked hikers not to come, which we of course respected. And then we were not going to stop in those towns. So we had some very, very long food carries. I think um, th at one point in the Sierras, we had three 10-day food carries back-to-back. -back. Oh. So that's a lot of food in our packs, a lot of weight. Um, and so to try to minimize the weight on our shoulders and backs, you know, we were really being quite strict uh, with the amount of food we were carrying. We did not have extras. We did not have snacks. Um, mm. And I remember at one point, um, Dan and I got into a screaming fight over uh, who would get the last half of an expired protein bar. <laughs> and Dan is a gentleman, so I did end up getting the last half of the expired protein bar. And I can confirm that it was uh, expired and gross, and I was still hungry after I ate it. So... <laughs> Um, we had some some huge fights, but we had even more uh, magical memories that we will you know cherish for the rest of our lives. Oh, that's beautiful! Mm, yeah. Glad to hear that too. That's mm. that warms my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, if anyone is thinking about through hiking with a partner, I think you should do it. I don't think it's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it's funny as you said that I was in a, a first responder recertification class, and um, my partner, her and her husband, had done that as their honeymoon. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's romantic. Yeah. Oh, this, that sounds like a way more exciting thing to do than, you know, fly to Vegas and hang out. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Gosh, wow. Well, that is awesome. Um, what are some of the, the big learnings that you had or maybe some life lessons that, that were imparted in planning this, completing it, and now reflecting on it? Well, a big personal lesson. Um, so I was diagnosed with, with relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis when I was 15 years old. Um, in fact, when I was diagnosed, the neurologist, he did not do a very good job. He did not have a great bedside manner. Uh -oh. um, because when I was 15, he told me that I would be in a wheelchair by the time I was 25. Um, he was obviously incorrect about that um, because I was you know, able to through hike the PCT at the age of 34, which is nine years after he said I should be uh, wheelchair bound. Um, so a big personal lesson uh, of that, of course, is to, you know, we, we absolutely all have challenges. And I do realize that in many cases, um, the challenges that we have are insurmountable. There are people with medical conditions that, of course, make doing something like a through hike 
just flat out impossible. Um, but I am personally glad that I did not let being told that something would not be possible um, stop me. Um, I I was lucky enough to still be able to walk. Um, and I'm glad that I pulled the trigger and fulfilled that dream when I could. Um, because, you know, I don't know what will happen with my health tomorrow or in the next year or in the next decade. Um, but, you know, of course, it's it's trite, but it, it bears repeating. That's it's true of everyone. Um, it's maybe just a little more pronounced in my case because of the MS, but uh, any of us could be you know, hit by a bus tomorrow. So I'm really glad that um, Dan and I pulled the trigger and did the hike when we did it because um, we have to you know, seize opportunities when they come around. Um, so I'm extremely grateful that I had the luck and privilege to do the hike um, this year. Um, so I think this experience just kind of reinforced that. Um, I think I'm more patient now than I was before the hike. Uh, I think I'm less professionally ambitious now than I was before the hike. Um, I've realized that in my personal case, um, work is not what satisfies me the most. Um, it is for some people, and that's awesome and valid. Uh, but just in, in my case, um, work is, is not the most important thing. Um, and, uh, I think <laughs> the, the trail, um, has really profoundly changed my relationship with food, but in a good way. Um, so on the trail, I was just eating junk all the time, stuffing my face with whatever, you know, garbage food I could. And I was really worried that after the trail, it would be hard to get back to eating reasonable sized portions and eating healthy food and, and things like that, uh, and not just be, you know mainlining pizza all day long um <laughs> but actually i think the trail has had a really positive impact on my relationship with food i think now more than ever before i eat only when i'm hungry and i stop eating when i'm full i think i'm more in touch with how food really is fuel and when i need fuel i get some fuel and when i don't need it i i don't i no longer eat just because it's dinner time or i no longer eat just because it's there um i think this hike made my body realize what food is for um and when i need it and uh importantly when i don't need it so that's a pleasant surprise because i thought it was going to be the opposite <laughs> Gosh, right. And what were the your favorite things on the trail? Like was Dan, you know, Dan would have a bag of M&Ms and you'd have peanut butter cups or? Oh my gosh, this is such a fun question. Let me think. Um, so I, there's a dehydrated backpacker meal from a company called Alpine Air. Um, mm -hmm. they, they do something called Forever Young Mac and Cheese, which is just macaroni and cheese, but it's got some like vegetables in there. I think like corn and peas and maybe a couple other vegetables. Um, yeah. And it rehydrates really well. I loved that on trail. Um, we, there were a couple of like um, protein bars. There, Luna, yes. There was a Luna protein bar that was like, caramel and chocolate it was like caramel chocolate brownie um and it tasted shockingly like a brownie as i'm sure you know very well some oh. protein bars are good other protein bars are kind of nasty and this was a good one um and peanut m&ms were a big thing oh. yeah I, yeah i 
I'm trying to, I think that's what Dan was inhaling when I came around the corner and you were there. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds very probable. I think um, I told you Dan had crazy hiker hunger and mm-hmm. I think maybe he's now like 90% um, peanut M&Ms. Uh, but something that's kind of funny about food yeah. is that before the hike for years and years, we've always just thought that Dan was allergic to peanuts. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, not any kind of doctor or nutritionist, so I'm not even going to speculate about what happened here. Um, but Dan has not been able to eat peanuts basically his whole life. And on, on the trail, he ate a lot of peanuts and a lot of peanut butter and a lot of peanut candy. And wow. I, I don't, and I think even today, he still now can eat peanuts. Um, so I'm definitely not saying a through hike can cure an allergy. No, no, no. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but yeah. in his case, we don't, we don't, we don't know what happened for some reason. Uh, his body now recognizes peanuts as food. <laughs> <laughs> Essential food nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, wow. Thank you. Um, a question about your adventurous life. You, you mentioned living in Senegal and Nairobi. Do you... Do you think there's a role that being open to opportunities and, and moving around gave you a resilience or, or helped facilitate completing this trail? And especially with all the challenges you had this year? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think, so I, I move around so much because I'm a journalist and a foreign correspondent. So I um, live in different countries for work. Uh, that's why I'm living in Mexico right now. Um, I think being an immigrant uh, or a habitual expat, whatever you want to call me, um, helps me build up or has helped me develop a tolerance for discomfort. Um, and what, what I mean by that is not that any of the places I have lived are uncomfortable. They're not, they're all wonderful. Um, but there is, you know, newness is always a little bit uncomfortable. It's, um, it's a little challenging when you don't necessarily speak the local language, when you don't always know where is the nearest grocery store, or, you know, what do you do if your toilet breaks? Um, when you live in a new place, whether it's a new country or just a new city, you kind of have to be continually learning new things and figuring things out for the first time. And I think the same is true of through hiking. It's, very uncomfortable at times. It's um, very challenging. Everything is new. Every day is new. Uh, and the lifestyle is new. So I think um, my career and my lifestyle has helped me develop a uh, tolerance for newness, let's say, or, or uh, an aptitude for it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And for someone who's thinking about doing something they haven't done before, whether it's the PCT or you know, getting out on a local hike or moving to Mexico for, for work, what advice would you share with somebody? Yeah, my, I mean, my first advice is very banal, but again, bears repeating. You've heard it a million times, but if you're thinking about doing it, do it. Because <laughs> yeah. I've got two kinds of friends. I had some friends who, as soon as I said I was going to do this, they were immediately like, oh, wow, that sounds so cool. I would love to do something like that. And then I have friends who are like, yeah, I have no interest in that whatsoever. That sounds insane. Go, you, you go do you, but I'm never going to do something like that. So if you're just, even if you're thinking about it, it means you're already a goner um, and, and you're hooked and uh, you should do it because it is absolutely worth it. Um, but then the second piece of advice I have, and this is maybe a little bit more specific, 
or a little bit um, less uh, commonly heard, um, is to, to the greatest extent possible, document your experience. Um, because before you know it, it will be in the past um, and you'll be, you know, sitting, sitting at home, looking at the photos you took and, and rewatching the videos you took. Um, it's, we're so lucky to be having adventures in a time when we have video cameras that fit in our pockets. Um, and I know that post-trail depression is very common among thru-hikers. Mm. Um, it hasn't been particularly bad for me because uh, I have had the joy and privilege uh, and blessing of finishing my thru-hike and then moving to Mexico. So I'm starting a new life in a new country, in a new city. Um, and that's great and definitely gives me plenty of things to think about. Um, but I'm not immune to the the same nostalgia that I think a lot of um, recently finished through hikers feel. And I've made a compilation video of footage from our hike uh, set to music. And oh, honestly, I watch it every day, <laughs> every yeah. single day. And it helps so much. It helps me feel still connected to the trail. Um, and I know that a number of other hikers that I made friends with this year have done similar things and been helped in similar ways. So if you're going to do a, a through hike or any kind of transformative adventure, um, I would say definitely try to document it because someday you will be glad that you did. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I love that. And it, it's really cool to get to see someone, everybody's different perspective, even if it's the same trail or the same year to see your video, to see other videos that are out there and different things people went through and how much it can change people. Yeah, absolutely. Dang, love that. Um, yeah, do you have any big new adventures planned? Or I guess maybe plan's not the right word with everything going on in the world right now. Uh, in the idea realm that you hope to bring to fruition in the future? I mean, in a fantasy world, I would start planning a through hike of the Continental Divide Trail right away. <laughs> but um, right now, that is not um, in the cards. So my partner, Dan, is a start. He's an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And he's starting a new company here in Mexico. Um, so I kind of joke that I'll be happy either way. If his company is successful, that's great. Awesome. Yeah. If his company crashes and burns and is a, <laughs> is a immediate failure, that's great too, because then we can go to another through hike. Um, so for now, I want to support him while he focuses on building his new business. Um, but COVID dependent, um, we're not going to travel until there is um, a vaccine, of course. Um, but if by August of 2021, there is a um vaccine and it seems like it is safe and responsible to travel again we both really want to hike the arctic circle trail which is a much 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 shorter trail i think the whole thing is nine to eleven days um in greenland i greenland has been high on my list for a very long time i've never been there uh, and the arctic circle trail looks absolutely beautiful um so seeing how things go with covid um, we are talking about doing it this upcoming august Wow. Yeah, if you want to do it with us, you should come. Yeah. I'm, I'm just making a note right now. Arctic Circle Trail. Yeah, no, seriously, do it with us. Like yeah, I said, thing, but, it's like um, only 9 to 11 days. It's a, it's a vacation. And you're in Canada. Uh, you're halfway to Greenland already. I know, right? It's all <laughs> Anyway, it's not like I need to prepare anything. I'll wear my shorts. Yeah, exactly. You're used to it. 
Yeah, wow. You haven't been to Greenland. Um, have you been around a lot of other places or, you know, getting to travel with work? Um, can you? Yes, I'm, I'm an extremely blessed person and I've been um, very fortunate to do uh, quite a lot of travel in my life. Wow. I've, I've even been to Canada. Yeah. <laughs> wow, upper Canada or lower Canada? Um, <laughs> lower Canada. But I have been to Barrow, Alaska. So that kind of felt like Upper Canada. Yeah, yeah. Alaska is pretty similar. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Well, I've the, been the, to, the, do you know specifically Barrow? It's on the um, north coast of Alaska. It's on the north slope up there. Yeah. Yes, I can see it on the map. Yeah. So that was, I mean, for a girl from Phoenix, Arizona, the north slope of Alaska was like being on the moon, you know. And, and that is what I imagine northern Canada is like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just remember the, the summer I worked in the Yukon, so not even that far north. Fall happened in the middle of Yikes. August. Uh, it, it, it snowed a little bit, and then within a week, all the leaves were down. Um, there was nothing, and then it was snowing. I dropped my buddy off at the airport September 1st in the snow, but the coolest thing was, you know how in Arizona, you know, if you drive from the south to the north, you go through all the different climate zones yeah. and see all the different things? Yeah, as I drove south from Whitehorse back down into British Columbia, it was like driving back in time. I left the snow, and then I got back into summer, and the wow. apples were ripe, and people were trees, and the temperature warmed up about thirty degrees. And yeah, it, that that's what I recall. But it definitely, definitely got cold and snowy. Mm, I definitely um, um, I, on my you know life bucket list, I've got um, Churchill, Canada, on there because. If I'm correct, it's a good place to uh, try to see polar bears. Yes. Yes. So hopefully I'll uh, get to do more sort of Arctic adventures in in Canada in the future. (laughs) Yeah. And with all this amazing technology, you might even be able to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, If anyone invents that, you can just have all of my money. (laughs) You had this crazy backpack when I ran into you. Can you tell us a little bit about that and uh, how that Oh, yeah, that puts a smile on my face. I haven't thought about my pack in a while. Um, So, yeah, I had this crazy custom multicolored pack. Uh, I think every um, piece of fabric on the pack was a different color. Uh, And that is how I ended up getting my trail name. Um, There is apparently something called a mantis shrimp, which is a like a deep sea shrimp that is super multicolored. Uh, I had never heard of it before, but after they, you know, after other hikers gave me the trail name Mantis because of my colorful pack, uh, I did a Google image search for Mantis shrimp. And yes, it is indeed a very colorful shrimp. Um, So my trail name was Mantis because people thought my colorful pack reminded them of a Mantis shrimp. Yeah. Aw, that is awesome. And would a Mantis be a spirit (laughs) animal or I mean, I I guess it is now. I guess uh, the mantis shrimp and I are going to be connected forever. Actually, had a oh, a friend of mine mail me a cotopaxi little fanny pack, which uh, I'll have to send you a picture. Remind yeah, definitely send me a picture. I want to see. Uh, Well, the pack that I got was um, it was a ULA. Well, the company is called ULA, and I really could not recommend the this company enough. I was so impressed with 
not only the performance and quality of the pack, but with their customer service. At one point, um, halfway through the hike, we noticed that Dan, the one of the straps on his pack, which was also from ULA, was like it had been chewed through, basically. Um, and so we emailed Chris, uh, I think was his name, who uh, runs the company. And we said, hey, like, it looks like a, a mouse or a squirrel or something has chewed through um, most of this strap. Do you have any recommendations for, like, a field repair we can do? And not only did Chris give us great recommendations for field repairs, but he even said, when you finish your through hike, send the pack back in and I'll send you a new one. Which I thought was just, like, so generous and so above and beyond. Um, we did not take him up on that incredibly generous offer because obviously it was not ULA's fault that a mouse, you know, had feasted on Dan's pack. Um, it was not like a, a manufacturer defect or anything. That's just what happens on the trail. So no, we were not going to take advantage of his generosity. But just the fact that he made that offer, um, like, I mean, it, it, he won a customer for life uh, that day in me, at least. I, and, like, I, I was just so impressed with the customer service. Oh yeah, and and to hear that as well as like from this side that someone would would oh yeah, it was so it was as... so unbelievably generous, and he did not have to do that because as I said, he is not responsible for what some you know dang mouse in the Sierra Nevada does. <laughs> Gosh, yeah, getting after all that sweet sweat. Yeah, yeah, it must like, have been that he was trying to get the salt or something. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. What have been some of the changes that you've noticed since you finished um, in other aspects of your life? We made wonderful friends on the trail, um, friends that I hope will visit us in Mexico and be friends for the rest of our lives. Um, so that's a change. Um, as I said, I'm realizing that obsessing about work is not um, what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, definitely I feel stronger than before it is um, you know it's a nice thing to realize that you really can walk from Mexico to Canada if you um, if you want to and have the privilege to do so um, so I feel both a broader um, range of options for what I want my future to look like but I also feel a a broader um, depth of confidence that I can probably do any of the things I decide I want to do. Uh, and that's a wonderful feeling. Wow. Yeah. That is. I can imagine. And, you know, gosh. And now you're in Mexico and that's a new adventure on its own. And is that a temporary? I'm plan incredibly grateful. For- Mexico is such a beautiful country such a wonderful place to live Um, i'm in mexico city which is personally one of my favorite cities in the world because i'm i love big cities i'm definitely a big city person um and i feel so grateful to to be here and um in awe of uh mexican people and the mexican government for making it as easy as it has been for me to immigrate Um, And I personally feel a lot of grief and um, sadness that my country does not return uh, the same hospitality to Mexicans who want to move to the United States that uh, Mexico has shown me. Um, I I hope that will change someday. Yeah, that would be 
Yeah, that would I think wonderful. so. Yeah. Are you? Um, I am. Um, I'm. You know, my Spanish is not as good as my English, but um, I yeah, I, I speak Spanish and can have whatever conversations I, I want to have. So <laughs> it is, it's. I think this is. I think I'm going to be very very happy here. Yeah, no, it sounds fantastic. How how is your weather? And are you probably warmer than I? Yeah, so the right weather now? is nice, but I have to admit I haven't had that many opportunities to enjoy it um, because we the we are um, entering the second wave here in Mexico. Um, I so other than getting from the airport to my new uh, apartment um, and then occasional grocery store runs, um, I have been mostly staying inside. <laughs> mostly exploring Mexico uh, online. I've been making, you know, bucket lists of, of things I want to do and see and try uh, as soon as we have um, the vaccine. So I think, I think like a lot of us, uh, we're, you know, wishing we could be outside more often, but, you know, we just, we got to, got to wait. The light is at the end of the tunnel, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking promising. Yes. Yeah. Any last pieces of advice or wisdom or, any type of stories you'd like to yeah, share? Yeah, let me with think us. for just a second. Um, sure. Yeah, okay, I will say something, and it's going to be so controversial. People are going to get so, so mad. Um, so yeah. I feel like I should emphasize strongly that this is just my personal experience, just my personal perspective. Um, so as we were planning the hike, uh, Dan and I, like a lot of through hikers, uh, I think, um, became very focused on trying to get our base weight down as much as possible. Um, and while that is a valid goal, um, weight definitely does make a difference. It's definitely something to think about. Um, I don't think it's worth obsessing about. Um, towards the beginning of the hike in the desert, you know, I think, I think Dan and I started out with two pairs of socks each again, in the interest of, of trying to get our base weight as low as possible. Um, and then we were joking that throughout the desert, it's like, our, it's like our socks were breeding inside our packs. It's like they were reproducing because we just kept accumulating more socks. Because for us, I think we finished the trail with like five pairs of socks each. Um, but that's something that happened to, you know, not everyone needs five pairs of socks, but for us, it made us comfortable and it made our hike more pleasant. Um, so I do think like there is a balance to be struck between base weight and comfort and like, don't, I don't, like, I would, I would say don't freak out about the base weight. Um, if you can't afford the most super expensive ultralight gear, that's okay. You can still have an amazing through hike. Or if you have a medical condition that means you have to bring a few extra things that gets your base weight up, don't worry. You can still have an amazing through hike. Or even if you're just a dandy like me and you need five pairs of socks, don't worry. You can still have an amazing through hike. You don't need to obsess about having the lowest base weight in the world. It will be fine, I promise. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Are your five pairs of socks, do they all match? Oh, gosh. <laughs> they don't even match each other, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, even better. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Jillian. This has been fantastic. 
if people wanted to connect with you or reach out, is there any way? They yeah, could do that? Uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, my username is at Jillian Keenan. Same for Instagram. Um, I think it's just at Jillian Keenan. My name is spelled J-I-L-L-I-A-N-K-E-E-N-A-N. I'm also the author of a book called Sex with Shakespeare. So if anyone wants to check that out, it is for sale on Amazon.com and wherever independent books are sold. (laughs) Yes, I am excited. Yeah, uh, well, I was gonna say I'm excited for you, but I don't don't know. Really? Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of authors, we've got mixed feelings about our own work, but some people seem to like it, and, and I'm thrilled and, and grateful that they do. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll please I will. Dan. It was great to talk to you again, Greg. All right. Thanks again for joining me, friends. This was a fun episode to record. As always, if you enjoyed this, if it resonated, if you learned something, please share it with your friends, tag it on all the social media things, pass it along. Pretty excited to report that uh, as of the recording of this one and the publishing of it, a whole bunch more podcast hosts uh, are hosting Wisdom of the Wilderness now. Google Play and Spotify and a whole bunch of other things are out there. So please enjoy, please share. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, afternoon. You get outside somewhere in nature for a little break, and you are all happy and healthy. Take care, friends.